welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. So the subject this morning is something that the Lord touched my heart with, and then I, Nathan came up, and I've had no conversations with Nathan on any level of this, uh, and he talked about giving to the Lord, and, I, and the, the thought that the Lord put on my heart was embracing a lifestyle of true generosity, embracing it rather than being reluctant with it, and I, and I was led, first of all, to a portion of scripture that you find in Luke chapter 12, and it comes, Jesus is teaching, uh, you know, as he always is, it's amazing, really. This is the greatest preacher that ever lived and ever walked. There's never going to be a better preacher than Jesus. Amen. And, I, you know, if you go to Luke chapter 12 and verse 13. So Jesus is in mid-flow. He's teaching. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And it says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. There's always one, isn't there? I mean, Jesus is talking about the deep things of God, you know, the, the deep things of the Spirit. And there's always one, and they're just completely off-center. They're completely off. There's always one. There's probably one here this morning, and you're just not getting it. You're just, you're just missing the point. And uh, here, I, I, some, you know, as a minister, I, I, I'm not going to... There used to be times when I would get a little bit, oh, maybe I, I missed the mark, or I wasn't this, or I wasn't that, and people didn't get the point. And, and here's Jesus, he's preaching, and there was someone didn't get the point. So um, someone far less than, like myself, is, is hardly going to score much higher. But then it says, Jesus, it says this, he said to him, man who made me judge or arbitrator over you, and he said to him, take heed and beware of the covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of the things that he possesses. Then he spoke another parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store up all my crops and my goods I will say to my soul soul you have many goods laid up for many years take your ease eat drink and be merry but God said to him fool this night your soul will be required of you then whose will those things be which you have provided so it is so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not generous towards God. I think it's the only phrase actually in the Bible where it talks about generosity towards God and it's, it's actually from Christ. The Bible talks about, Jesus said to his disciples, go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as we have done last week. But disciples are pupils. They are people that study under a master to become just like the master. They are to reflect the teaching and the person of who's discipling them. And that's what a disciple was, to reflect that of the rabbi of their time or the teacher of the time. And so you and I as Christians are disciples of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that all scripture is given to us by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God, woman of God, will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul says that to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
and verse 16. God is not just concerned about your soul and your spirit, friends, but about every aspect of our lives, every area of our life. It's not just about getting to heaven and uh, my life's a shambles. You know, God's concerned about your health. God's concerned about your relationships. God's concerned about your attitudes. God's concerned about the things that get you down and the things that you do to get other people down. God's concerned about every aspect of our lives that they should reflect him in a righteous manner. That when they look at us, they see us a disciple that's been conformed to the very image of Christ, the man Christ Jesus. I mean, you want to get a picture of what you're going to be conformed to? Read the Gospels. You begin to see the man Christ Jesus, the sort of life he lived. The life given for others. He said in the Gospels, he said, the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve. There was a great moment in John's Gospel when, when Jesus goes to wash the disciples' feet. This is on the eve of, of his being taken and, and, and betrayed. After the supper, he, the Bible says he, he takes a towel and he puts it around him, girds himself with it, and he, he kneels down in front of his disciples and he begins to wash their feet. This is after supper. Normally the feet washing would be before supper. Traditionally, you wash the feet from people coming in from the day. But, you know, Jesus is saying something here. And Peter, of course, Peter refuses him. Peter doesn't want Jesus to wash his feet. And Jesus says something very telling. If you don't, wa- if you don't let me wash your feet, Peter, you know, you'll have no part in me. And what he was saying, Peter, if you don't embrace that I am a servant and that you are not above me and you're going to just be like me, if you don't embrace servantship, servanthood, you will never ever be part of me. And so sometimes that escapes us Christians. We think that salvation is just to get out a jail card. When it comes to that last moment, we do our great James Dean in our deathbed and cough with a lovely sort of spiritual cough and say, oh God, I'm ready. It's not about just getting ready for death, Fred. It's about living a life worthy of the calling. It's about living a life unto God. Paul tells us in Romans 4, talking about Christ, the death that he died, but the life that he lived. He said he lived unto God. And so you and I as Christians, we have a life to live, but it's not unto ourselves. We have a life to live unto God. We have a life to reflect who Christ is. We live in a world that's so full of darkness. with Men and women that are going in all wrong directions, friends. And yet God has led visibly in this world a church, men and women that know the presence and the power and the life-changing power of God himself. He's left you here as a beacon of light and hope. Jesus said that you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. He said, don't hide your lamp under a bushel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ditching your obligation as Christians. God is concerned of every future of our life. Romans 6, 4 tells us this. Therefore, we were buried with Christ through baptism unto death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. Say newness this morning. Newness of life, friends. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. Amen. Someone, something happened. Someone came in and everything changed. The life of God came into me. The power of God came into me. And now the Apostle Paul says, it pleased the Father to reveal His Son through us. And that is the job of the Holy Spirit, to break the earthen vessel, the clay man, the natural flesh, and leave some of the life of God become visible, 
become something that as a healing and as a ministry from your life, that your life could now be an outward focusing life, not inward looking at yourself, but outwardly reflecting who Christ is. This is what a disciple is. For too long we've, be, we've, 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 we've contained Christianity to a personal, private religion. We come in and do our thing on a Sunday. We raise some hands. We sing some songs. And yes, we're generous. We pay our tithe. And so you should. All these things are right, but you're just getting to the races. Amen. That's just the beginning. This life he lived unto God, friends. And Jesus said, no man is above his master. In the newness of life, there must be a godly order. In every Christian, there must be a godly order. When the order of heaven, when the Holy Spirit truly comes into your life, he brings a godly order. Can you say amen this morning? Something from heaven comes in. My mind becomes ordered. Thank God today. My thinking becomes clear. I, begin, I can see through the rain. I can see through the fog of life that now why I was saved. I was saved not just to contain the creator, but also to reveal him in this world. That when men and women would look around this planet, they would see a living addition, a walking addition to the divine God. They would see in you and in me the attributes of Christ flowing, friends, in all its generosity. In all its generosity. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You and I, friends, must walk in the counsel of God. Every area of our lives must be tested by the counsel of God. And so I want to talk about generosity, as I said. And that just does not extend purely to your giving and your tithes and your offerings, friends. You know, I, I, nearly, I nearly blush talking about that because there's so many charlatans out there putting their hands in their pockets thinking that the gospel is all about money when Jesus said it's not about money. Jesus said a man's life does not consist of the abundance of which he has, but for heaven's sake, don't make it like that for your own life. Many people say, oh, those preachers are off your money, and they'd be right, and a lot of times, but don't be holding on to your finances as if they're yours. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't rob yourself of a blessing. Don't rob yourself of fulfilling the call of God of being a generous man and a generous woman. That you would be marked like Christ was generous of spirit. Generous in giving. Generous in how he lived his life. The Son of Man, as I shared with you, came not to be served, but to serve. And he says to Peter, unless you're ready to serve and be generous in your servitude, you'll have no part in me. And so often you can see our lives are characterized by a stubbornness for us to really and truly embrace that which God has called us to walk in newness of life. The New Testament church was a giving church. We went through a number of weeks, the life of Christ, right up into Pentecost and the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. And you see in Acts 2 and Acts 3, there was such a move of God. These men and women were so taken out of darkness. It says they had all things in common. They sold parchments of land. They brought it to the apostles' feet and so that the gospel could be promoted, that the gospel could go forth. Amen. They ministered to one another. They broke bread in houses daily. They devoted themselves to prayer and to the apostles' teaching. Such was the spirit of true discipleship. It wasn't Sunday morning only. God forbid that we ever turn into a house of Sunday Christians. That our lives is just about some ritual here on a Sunday morning. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right through to Saturday, it's all me. Jesus only saved me on a Sunday, but it's all me for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week. God preserve us. God preserve us so that our children won't see it. That they will see a true example of a Christian. 
My grandchildren are here this morning. Let them see men and women that are generous towards God, generous in their worship. Some can't even lift their hands to the Lord. So stuck in yourself, so full of pride. Can't even lift a hallelujah. Can't even be generous in your words. Can't even compliment another person. Can't even say thank you. Can't even come into the house of the Lord and say thank you. How are you ever going to thank and bless your brothers and sisters? Amen. There's something about generosity. It's not just about financial friends. It's about the heart. It's about the giving. It's about the embracing of a life of generosity. It's not friends. It's just about, as I said, coming in and paying your tithes and walking out that door. We are to be given to a life of generosity, just like Christ was. Every area of our life, the New Testament church went on, went on and grew expansively. It just went exponentially, friends. There was such a move in the hearts of people. And I believe this morning, if God truly, if we allow the Lord to truly move in our hearts, there is enough here to turn this city upside down for Jesus. There's enough here, friends, to bring revival. There's enough here, friends, to see a move of God. A men and women that are completely sold out to the will of God. God is looking for people like this. His people must be willing in the day of his power. There is power is here, friends. Acts 2 has happened. The Holy Spirit is in you. But there must be a willingness to live a generous Christian life. Generous with your time for other people. Generous in your grace towards other people. Generous in your service for the things of God. Generous in your service to other people, friends. This is the life. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And you know, you look at many places today that come to churches and they come in the door. They want to know, what have you got for fat people? What have you got for skinny people? What have you got for minority groups? What have you got for men and women's ministries? Oh, I would tell you, it's becoming like a shopping mall. A consumerism that's taken hold of our heart. And yet God has called his people to a life of generosity. Oh no, friends, it's not just pastors and leaders, it's everybody. Hallelujah. It's not just you, it's me too, friends. We all come under the very same word of God to be conformed to the image of Christ, to live as Christ did, a selfless washing the feet of other people and giving ourselves wholeheartedly to the work of God and the word of God, embracing a life of true generosity. The biblical norm, of course, became giving on a Sunday. That's what, that's the Lord's day is the first day of the week, which is a Sunday. That became the spiritual day of meeting for the Christian church. And on that day, the Corinthian church, Paul tells the Corinthian church, which is predominantly Gentile, he said, I want you to put away an offering, put away some money. I want it to be sent to the believers in Jerusalem. Jerusalem at that time wasn't a, a, a financially strong church. And actually, there was a lot of poverty, a lot of hunger in that, area, in that region. And these Gentiles that had no relationship to the church back in Jerusalem, they had no physical relationship to it in any way, no cultural relationship to it. Yet there was a generosity and Paul commended them. And he says to them, you know what? Give, but give generously. He uses the word, be a hilarious giver. <laughs> In other words, money, you laugh at it. It means nothing, friends, because it has nothing. At the end of the day, you leave it all behind. But give on to the Lord and give with a tremendous heart and spirit. And as a result of that Gentile church, all the way in Corinth, giving to bless the church here, that is how God's economy works. Amen. As we give to the Lord, you give out to others, and others give out to others, and others give out to others again. And there's this organic move of the Spirit. And that's what gripped that first world church, that first 
century churches that began to move in the power of God. Giving is something that God has always asked us to be. Way before the law, Abraham gave a tithe of all that he had. Jacob the same. Before there was the law of Moses even. The precedent was always set. And giving to God out of the abundance of what we have. It was always said, of course, then when Moses came under the law, it became a condition for salvation. And that became a tithe in Deuteronomy 14 and Deuteronomy 12. The tithe being one-tenth. And then we came into the New Testament, of course. Those conditions are lifted. There's no conditions for salvation. Tithe or no tithe, friends. You're not saved by giving 10% of your money. You're saved by the grace and goodness of God. Amen. But I want to tell you, the Apostle Paul says, it's the love of God now motivates us for the same principle of giving. And that's the heart of the believer. Denying, denying yourself. Luke 9.23, Jesus said, if any man is to come after me, he's to deny himself. And I tell you, friends, that's... That, we live in a world that's not about self-denial. The cross, a symbol of self-denial, has now become a symbol of drawing attention to self. I see them in the Oscars, stoned out of their minds with their crosses on them. Do you understand? The big gold crosses around their neck, drawing attention to self. That which is meant to be showing self-denial, friends, is now drawing attention to self. How horrible. How horrible we use the work of God, friends, as an accessory. As some sort of collectible along the journey, friends. When everything about that cross says, lay down your life and die. Lay it down for other people. Be given for other people. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look, I'm telling you, friends, look at him. For God so loved the world. The greatest scripture of the Bible, John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The father in love sends his son. The son in love lays down his life. And actually, in fact, he laid down his life all the way through his life, friends. He relied only on, on the word of his father. And yet all the way through his life, he's a servant. Healing the sick. Feeding the hungry. Comforting those who are comfortless. Bringing good news to those who need it. Bringing the kingdom of God. Living for the benefit of others. That is the life of the Christian. And Peter, if you're not ready to embrace it, you have no part of me. Peter understood what that meant. He would struggle with it, of course, as every man does with their ego and their pride. But he says, wash me everywhere. And Jesus said, you don't need that. You just need to learn the principle. You're going to be a servant, Peter. You're going to, you're going to be a giver. You're going to give, and I want you to embrace that as a disciple to become a giver out of an absolute heart of joy. And we see that in the transformation of this man's life when the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Not only did he give friends of his personality and his time, not only did he give of his physical endeavor for the work of God, he eventually gave his own very life so that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be preached. That's what a true disciple is, embracing all of the gospel, not just the convenient parts. I would pray this morning that God would speak to you deeply in your heart, that God would challenge you, that you would not be known as a stingy Christian. And again, I'm not saying not just in the area of finances. I'm talking about your life. You're generous in your love. You're generous in your forgiveness. You're generous in your opening your home, sharing your food. You're generous in, in, so, in your prayer life. You're generous in your acts of service for the Lord. 
The consumerism that has so indoctrinated itself into the church where it has all become about you and all become about me, friends. We need to bring that selfishness out and we need it to make, we need to make it feel thoroughly ashamed of itself. Oh God. Oh God. If you don't die to self, a preacher once said, you may wake up in an eternity with a self that will never die. Shadow, shadow the thought of that, friends. What a harrowing thought that would be to wake up with yourself the way you are and with, the, with, with, your, with your self-consumed attitude with no sense of open hand to your brothers and sisters in need around you. And the need is everywhere. I said the need is everywhere from ushers at the door to working Sunday schools to teaching and bringing and mentoring our children. Amen. It's not someone else's job. It's your job. Can you say Amen. It's not someone else's job to give to keep the lights on. It's your job. That's the generosity that flows from my heart that's given to God. That's the heart of a true disciple. That's how Jesus lived. That's how every disciple lived. That's how every apostle lived. Embracing this life. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who was died and rose again on their behalf, that we would live for him, friends. When Moses was brought all the way back in the time of the Pharaoh, when he went to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go, that they would serve me. And friends, it's a very important point to understand. Don't leave them go for themselves. You, you weren't set free for yourself, friends. You were set free for him. Let my people go that they may serve me. And may God speak to you and I this morning that he has delivered you out of darkness into his marvelous light that you would serve him and not yourself. Israel quickly turned it in itself. Israel was all about itself and forgot its very, very corner of its salvation. The very cornerstone of its salvation. And Christians, many today have been the same way. We've got so distracted. My son was very honest when he said, that's a lot of money. I remember when it came to tithing. We were stretched. I've shared this before, but I've got to share it again. I was earning 600 pounds a month. I had two kids and one on the way. Two and a half. And I said, if I'm going to pay 60 a month, I can't make it, Lord. I can't do it. We were down to one income. My wife wasn't working. I tell you one thing, friends. He's no man's debtor. I said, he's no man's debtor. He opened the storehouses in heaven. I don't know. I'm, my brothers used to laugh at me. I'm the bargain king. I get everything at half price and less. Amen. I get things that are thrown away, given gifts. It's, it's just amazing. Amen. I remember years ago, there was a revenue audit on the church. They do it to charities. They audit everything. They audit us a few years ago. And he looked at, my, he looked at me, how do you do it in such little money? <laughs> That's what he said to me. How do you do it? I said, well, listen, I said, I don't smoke. I don't drink because I have a God that delivered me from all that. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. That's most of people's incomes today. And God has provided for me all the way of my life. I tell young men like Ben and others that are here that God's hand is on them. How are you going to pay the bills? How are you going to make it if you step out in faith? I have no idea, but I tell you one thing, you will, because God is good. Amen. If you're generous to him, he's always going to pour out upon you. Malachi chapter 3 is absolutely true, friends. Put me to the test of the Lord and see if I will not even open up the windows of heaven upon you. It's true. And it is true. You can't outgive God. And let me tell you this morning, it's not just about giving. It's giving with a right heart. 
Christians who give with a wrong heart are like dry drunks. Some of you will understand what that means. Yeah, you're off the alcohol, but you're miserable. Oh, you're giving, but you're miserable. Because your heart is not right. You have to say, this is for the Lord. This is for God this morning. My act of coming in, I watched these young men and women in here since 8 o'clock this morning. Some coming in cleaning the building because we so much traffic even on a Saturday. They need to get it clean again on a Sunday. Same people. I salute them because they do it not for the pastor Nick. I'm not even around to, to, to boost their ego. They do it for the Lord. The joy of giving. The joy of living as a true Christian. The joy of living without contradiction. The joy of living in, in, in with that given to generosity. You find a generous Christian friends, not just generous financially. They're generous in so many other ways. It's a contagious attribute of your life. I've never met a man or a woman that's just generous fiscally. That generosity just seeps into hospitality. It's generous in their attitudes towards others. In their long-suffering. It just reaches far and wide. They're also the very same people that come in and function in the life of the church. They pay the dime and they sweep the floors. And they see no contradiction in it because there's not. The contradiction is the opposite, friends. And so was the life of Christ, a life he lived, he lived on to God. Oh God, this morning, you know, we've come through, are coming through one of the most horrendous times in human history, well, at least in our time, with this pandemic. And yet, there's not one of us can say that the Lord has not brought us through. The Lord has been good, it's been difficult, it's been isolation, there's been mind games going on. There was times we didn't know if we'd have enough, but God has brought us through, amen. We live in a time, friends, where the goodness of God is completely over you. The goodness of God is upon you. Should you take a step back and begin to realize it and begin to give glory to his name and give back the praise that is due? Living. Embracing a lifestyle of true generosity. Proverbs 19 says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Again, that's not just financial, friends. Are all your friends rich people? Are all your friends of a certain social strata? What about lending friendship to the poor as much as lending finances, giving to them? Amen. What about being generous in every way? Well, they're not quite up to my educational standard. They're not quite up to my social standard. They're not even similar to me culturally. What about being generous cross-culturally? What about embracing the fact that difference is great? Oh, your cooking is awesome. Where did you get those spices from? Never tasted that before. Amen. What, what about, you know, embrace, you know, we see so many people coming in a traditional dress at times. I love it. I love seeing traditional dress come into the church. It's who you are and, and the celebration of a culture. And to be generous with that, you have to come in here sometimes and see how colorless we look over here in the west and yet you're very complimentary the lord bless you for that amen that's generosity of spirit that's generosity of heart paul is right in corinthians when he says that those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly when you're short with others the measure you measure with is what you'll be measured back with if you're generous, you're going to get generosity back. 
I said, if you're generous of spirit, you're going to find that those around you, those who know you, those who love you, those that see you, in your time of need, in the time of failure, in the time of weakness, in the time whenever something hits your life, there's going to be a generosity from others around you because they've seen a man or a woman that has lived and embraced a life of generosity. Every area of your life is generous. Mike McBride used to say years ago, he may watch this later on, he used to say, you can teach a man to give and he may never love, but if you teach a man to love, he will always give. If you start loving the Lord, tell him you love him. And you start showing your love to the Lord. And this is how you show your love to the Lord, by loving your brothers and sisters. How do you show your love to this world, the love of God, friends? By serving others. How do you show that you love God? Because it's the love of God that causes me to wash the feet of other people. It's the love of God that causes me to dip into my pocket. It's the love of God that causes me not to look for justice, but to give mercy. It's the love of God that causes me to go the extra mile. It's the love of God that causes me to have long suffering. Even though I could be quick and I could be short-tempered, it's the love of God will compel me to serve people and to value people as Christ valued them. What a savior, what an example we live by, friends. The life of a true disciple is a life that embraces a life of giving. I want to read you something. I never charged this iPad, so it goes dead. We'll come, we understand what happened. Billy Graham used this once. It's called a letter from a communist to his fiancée. He's a student that went to a university in Mexico, joined the Communist Party, and he writes to his fiancée, he says this, We communists have a high casualty rate. We're the ones who get shot and hung and lynched and tarred and feathered and jailed and slandered and ridiculed and fired from our jobs, and in every other way we are made uncomfortable as possible. A certain percentage of us get killed or imprisoned. We live in virtual poverty. We turn back to the party, that's the Communist Party, every penny we make above what is absolutely necessary to keep us alive. We communists don't have the time or the money for many movies or concerts or T-bone steaks or decent homes and new cars. We've been described as fanatics. We are fanatics. Our lives are dominated by one great overshadowing factor, the struggle for world communism. How sad. We communists have a philosophy of life which no amount of money could buy. We have a cause to fight for, a definite purpose to live life for. We, are, we subordinate our petty and personal selves uh, into the greater movement of humanity and, if, and all of our personal things. Life, our lives will seem hard. Or our egos appear to suffer from the subordination to this. Well, this is no way any small compensation. There is one thing which I am dead earnest, and that is the communist cause. This is my life, my business, my religion, my hobby, my sweetheart, my wife, my mistress, my bread, my meat. I work at it in the daytime and dream of it at night. It holds me. It causes me to grow, not lessons. I cannot carry on a friendship, a love affair, or even a conversation without relating 
To this force which both drives and guides my life, I evaluate people, books, ideas, actions according to how they affect the communist cause and by the attitude towards it. I've already been in jail because of my ideas and if necessary, I am ready to go before a firing squad. I want to ask you this morning, disciple, what sort of dedication, what sort of embracement to the cause do you have for the true cause of the gospel? And the gospel is a selfless life. The gospel is a life given to God. The gospel is a life of servitude towards others. The gospel is a life embracing a lifestyle of true generosity and being Christ-like. May God challenge you. May God challenge you this morning when we see men and women falling for such awful philosophies as communism yet laying their lives down for it. All their all their ambitions and hopes and plans for a false ideal. And yet we, the Christian, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, can barely go an extra mile. May God challenge you and I to go that extra mile. May God cause us to serve at the very foundational place in your home, in your marriage, with your children, but not only their friends, because that's me, my, my own. But let's move further than that to serve this world, to live generously, to give generously, to give hilariously, to be those known by others as men and women that have God-filled character, that they take note that you have been with Jesus, that they see Christ in you and through you, and that when you stand, friends, it's not a hollow stand. They see a man or a woman of integrity that doesn't just live by, just doesn't parrot a Bible verse, but lives by it. And that the grace of God will follow you wherever you are, permeate whatever you do. And that whatever you become, and when you lay your head down in your bed at nighttime, it will be well with your soul. And when you close your eyes in death and people look at you and see you in that, in that coffin, and they'll walk around and say, truly say, this was a man, this was a woman of God, this was a generous Christian. This was a worthy Christian. This is a wholehearted disciple of Jesus Christ. This is what a Christian is. and This is what God would have you to be. And this is what God would have I to be. By the glory of God, I pray this morning that you will hear this word for yourself and become a man or woman that embraces generosity of life, that embraces the Christian way, that embraces Christ in all of his great examples to us, friends. Oh, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part in me. Oh, Peter, if you don't embrace the fact that your king is a serving king and that you're not above him, then you have no part in me. Christian, if you think you can get through this life as a Christian without serving, let me tell you, that is not what God wants for you. You are to be a cheerful giver of all of who you are. From your finances right through to your hospitality, to your home, your house, your relationship. Everything is to be given to the Lord for the glory of God and for the souls of men. I want to pray this morning for you because I know there's a lot, there's a lot for us to take on because sometimes we have to, as Christians, we have to look in the mirror, amen, and not forget what God is saying to us. If you have been living this life selflessly, if you've been as a Christian, not given to giving, that you're always coming to receive. You're always coming to, even to this church. You've been here for many years and it's always, but what I can get out of it this morning. You know, you just come in and someone make me feel good. Play the song that I like the most. Someone say something that makes me laugh or makes me feel good about myself. 
If that's the way you've been consuming your Christianity, then I would say to you this, God would say, now it's time for you to grow. Now it's time for you to embrace the full life of a disciple because this is how the world would know that you have my disciples, that this love of God would compel you to be a cheerful giver. This love of God would compel you to be a true disciple. This love of God would move you from the apathy and from the sidelines of speculating all the time, looking at your brothers and sisters, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. Get your eyes off them, Peter. Get your eyes off them, John. You follow me. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my lambs. If you love them today, friends, there are sheep and lambs to be fed, not just in this house, but out there in that world. And you are to do it. You are God's hands, God's voice, God's presence. Where you go, he goes. And if you move now and decide right now at the service this morning that my life is afresh going to be given to God, God will pour afresh upon you a special touch of his Holy Spirit. I said, God himself will pour upon you a special touch. Stand with me this morning, wherever you are. If you want that touch of the Lord, if you say, no, Pastor, now I've become a very selfish Christian. I've just been all about myself. I'm, I, you, know, you know your selfishness when you come even to prayer meetings and it's all about you. It's all about my need. You know, I, I mean, I have a lot going on myself, not to go on, but I could be on all the time and I pray, oh, pray for this and pray for that and then getting crotchety again. It's all about me, me. And there's nothing wrong with coming for prayer for me, but there's an absence of praying for other people. There's an absence of focusing on other people's lives. And I tell you, if you seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, God will meet your need. He knows your need even before you ask. Become a, become a generous Christian. Don't live that stingy, awful, simple, dreadful form of Christianity. That is no Christianity at all. But open up your life for the Lord today. Say, God, use me. I want you to raise, close your eyes right across the church. Raise your hand as high as you can to God and say, God, I want to be used. I want to be used by you, Lord. I don't want to be, Lord. I, I don't want to be one of those Christians, Lord. I don't want to be one of those stingy Christians. I don't want to be one of those mealy-mouthed Christians. I want to be a generous Christian, a generous disciple, oh God. I want to be generous towards other people in every way, Lord, to the point of even being reckless, oh God. Protect me, oh God, in that journey. Because sometimes I'll get it wrong and I might be reckless, but I'd rather be reckless, Lord God, than to be stingy of heart, oh God. And I pray, God, for those who are raising their hands, and some have raised them really high, Lord God. I pray, Jesus, God, that you do something very powerful. You have brought us through a terrible time, God. You have provided all the way through, yet some can't even serve others. They can't even put them into the economy. Will you do a miracle even now, Lord? Lord, will you do a miracle in their heart? As they're reaching out to you, Lord, you have to do something in their heart. You have to do something in their mind. Lord, you have to break something, that selfishness that has held them back, oh God. That self-centeredness, God, that has colored the waters of everything they've done. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that, Lord God, you will expose it, oh God, and you will give them the power, Lord God, to put self to death. In the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that this church will be known as a giving church, Lord. God, I, oh God, Lord, I, God, you know my heart, Lord. And it's not just finances. It's so much more than that. Giving of ourselves, oh God. Giving love to others, Lord. Giving time for others, God. Oh, Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we would somehow, Lord, even in a tiny way, reflect who you are. Even in a tiny way, Jesus, 
that this morning the earthen vessel would be a little bit cracked again and the inner life of Christ would start to show that the treasure in the earthen vessel would begin to, Lord, shine out of us and through us. Lord, I pray, Lord, for every man and woman here, boy and girl, Lord, everyone in the sound of my voice, Lord, that, Lord God, we will not get to our deathbed. Some people, Lord, have to say falsehoods about us, Lord, just to be socially accepted. But they would speak truth over us and it would be true, Lord, that here lies a man or woman that loved God, that lived for him, that showed him, that rightly reflected him, that lived generously as a disciple of God. And oh God, I pray, Lord Jesus, history would judge us well, that we would live a life, Lord, worthy of the calling. I pray for this, God, that we have no more slothfulness, no more excuses, God. No, no more ifs and buts and reasons, oh God. No pointing out the other person's failures. But Lord, we would cover the other one's failures, Lord, in a generous spirit of love, oh God. We would cover them in a generous spirit of love in the name of Jesus. So now, Lord God, I pray, Lord, as you begin to touch us, God, that we begin to worship you, Lord, and thank you, Lord, for touching us, Father God. We just thank you this morning, Lord God, that you have ministered to us, Lord, in the worship time, in the very presence, in the atmosphere of this room. We have sensed your presence, God, just flowing over our lives again. And Lord, we just want to tell you we love you today, Lord Jesus. Oh God, when we think about that man, oh God, he thinks, oh God, he would just tear down the barns and build more, have more for himself. And Lord, you took his life that night because he wasn't generous towards God. I pray, God, that we will be generous towards you. And being generous towards you has to mean being generous towards this world and the need in this world, the men and the women that are in need to show that love. I pray in Jesus' name, the poor, the wretched, the blind, the broken, Lord, the imprisoned, oh God, the ones that are far off, oh God, that we would be known as men and women that have a capacity to love, Lord God, against all odds, oh God. Fill us with this capacity. You already have, oh God. Open our eyes to it, Lord Jesus, so we now embrace it. We embrace this life in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.